0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, during the worship service, I was over there kind of rocking out, and Carrie said, well, you're rocking out. And I said, you realize how long it's been since I've worshiped with real life people? And you say, well, you've been worshiping with the staff. I said, real life people. <laughs> well, mothers, uh, your, day, your day today, congratulations, Chris, congratulations today. <clears throat> Wish my, uh, my wife a happy Mother's Day. <clears throat> and I also realize that uh, every time we meet like this, there's always the first time that you're experiencing Mother's Day without a mother, or uh, you're in a different situation than you were last year. So that's certainly something that we have to keep in mind. But thank you so much for coming today. And uh, I think as time goes on, we'll see more and more people come in. And uh, how many of you are ready for things to get back to normal? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm so tired of this, but uh, thank you so much for being here. I, I heard this last week, uh, an account of a, a man, he was probably in his late 30s going to the grocery store, and he noticed an older lady watching him as he would go down the aisles, and then he would go down a different aisle, and there she'd be, and he thought, well, is this lady stalking me? What is she doing? She was probably in her early 70s, and he'd turn, and there she'd be again. And, and she said, sir, I'm so sorry. said, uh, my my uh, my son left home about 30 years ago, and and I really haven't seen him much since. And you look so much like my son. And it's amazing. You just look like him. And, and, and could, could I just ask you, and they're getting ready to leave the store, could I just ask you a couple of things? And she said, what? You know, it's nothing I'm trying to do uh, as far as to make you feel uncomfortable, but would you just let me hug you? And he said, well, sure, come and hug me. So uh, he went up and he hugged her, and she said, oh, that makes me feel so very good. And said, would you just say, uh, Mom, I love you. And he he said, well, Mom, I love you. And as I leave, would you just, just say this as I leave the store? goodbye mom I love you I'll see you later and he said sure I'll do that so he checks out his bill was $195 and he said how come it's so much and they said well your mom said you're going to pay for the rest of the bill here (laughs) how many of moms can be sneaky and uh, they have to be very resourceful Uh, I I have one account a, a mother who just got a smartphone she texted her son said hi son What does I-D-K-L-Y-T-T-Y-L mean? So he texts back to his mother, and he said, I don't know, love you, talk to you later. And then his mother texted him back and said, That's okay, son, I'll ask your sister later what that means. (laughs) Well, moms, listen, it's your day. We want to celebrate you today. But we also want to look in the Word of God and see what God's Word says about mothers. If fathers are supposed to be the head of the home... Then mothers are really the heart of the home, and I believe that with all of my heart, because mothers make so much difference, and uh, not every mother is a rock star mother. I was thinking about what uh, what Randy said about the Proverbs 31 mother today. If you read that in light of the 21st century, can, can you understand what kind of woman this was? I mean, she is like a CEO of a corporation, she makes her own clothes, she cooks her own meals. Uh, You know, when you read that, you think, how in the world will I ever, ever, you know, measure up to that kind of standard? Well, how do you know? We just have to measure up to what God wants us to be. And every mother and every woman is just a little bit different. You know, when you uh, look at the importance of mothers and women in the Bible, sometimes you have to look behind the scenes because it's such a male-dominated culture in the time the Bible is written. So we go to 1 Samuel. First Samuel has three primary major figures in it. It's Samuel, it is Saul, and it's David. But the story does not start out with Samuel. It does not start out with Saul, nor does it start out with David. You know who it starts with? It starts with a woman you've never heard of before. It starts with a woman by the name of Hannah, who is barren. She has no children. She's pleading to God for a child, and in that prayer... People are not understanding. I don't think the husband understands. He has children by another woman. The other woman is really downplaying and ridiculing and uh, jabbing Hannah, if you will. The priest doesn't understand. But this is what I want you to catch. The story of these great men do not start with a man. It starts with a woman, this woman by the name of Hannah. When God decides to deliver his uh, people from bondage in Egypt, it does not start with Moses. Do you know that? It does not start with Moses. It starts with the midwives of the Hebrews. It starts with a woman by the name of Jochebed. It starts with a woman by the name of Miriam, a sister. And it begins by Jochebed launching that reed ark, that little boat with a baby boy in it. And another woman, Pharaoh's daughter, takes him from the water, hence the name Moses. So it begins with the women. How many of you know behind every good man, is a better woman. I deserve a better amen than that, ladies. Because women are so special. And because the Bible gives us these stars, if you will, of womanhood. And if you ever watch a movie, you know the biggest stars get the biggest billing, right? I mean, there's stars like Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, uh, you know, Chris Evans, John Wayne. Let's, Let's throw in some older guys in here. Uh, Robert Duvall, you have, uh, you know, uh, Denzel Washington, Robert Downey Jr. These people make millions and gazillions of dollars. But uh, behind every huge male actor, there are what we would call the supporting cast. And same way with women. You know, you, you have Julie Roberts, you have Scarlett Johansson, Beyonce, Elizabeth Taylor. But behind the scenes, there are some other ladies there that are supporting cast. So, Every Mother's Day, and I've done a bunch of them, let me tell you, I've done scores and scores and scores of Mother's Day sermons. So when I come to a day like this, I think, oh, what am I going to say that I hadn't said 30 some odd times before? Do you feel my pain? I mean, y'all hadn't forgot how to say amen, praise God, clap your hands, or any of those things over the couple of months we've been gone. Okay, so, uh, you know, you, you just think about it, you pray about it. But there are some mothers that are really stellar in the Bible. You know, you start with Eve, you, you go to Sarah, uh, Rebecca, Rachel, you, you have Hannah, New Testament, you have Elizabeth, you, you have Mary, the mother of Jesus. But you know, there are some women in there that you don't hear much about that are very important. And this is what I found out. In your life and my life, sometimes we feel like we're a little less than maybe somebody else, especially in the digital age, in technology, with Facebook, now, have, you, have you realized everybody's pictures look better than yours? Their kids look better than yours, their vacation looks better than yours. Now, it's not true, but that's sometimes the way we feel. You think, have these people got professional photographers for Facebook? And, and here we are, you know, we, we have a, a, a dumb phone taking pictures and trying to put them up, but What I want you to see here is that these five-star mothers that are spoken about over and over in the Bible, there are some mothers that you don't hear much about. And I want to talk about one of them today, and her name is Leah. Have you heard about her? Now, Leah is a mother, and she's a stellar mother, but you don't hear preached about much. But you have to begin, really, with the story of Jacob. So most of you know Jacob and Esau, they have this issue And he deceives his father, Isaac. He gets the birthright. And Esau is not happy with this situation. He is clearly in the Bible saying, as soon as my dad is dead and we're finished grieving, I'm going to kill my brother. And you you can go look it up. He says, he is graveyard dead. I'm going to kill him. And so the mother, she says, you got to get out of here there's two reasons number one your brother hates you he's going to kill you number two you need to marry somebody and I don't want you to marry one of these heathens that your brother's marrying listen I don't know who you marry but don't marry a heathen okay so she said you need to go back to my country to my relatives and hopefully you can find a wife there so here he goes he's headed back to Haran and he gets to a well and the, the shepherds and the shepherdess are coming to the well to water their sheep. And while he's there, this young lady comes up. And let me give you a little Mike McCord here. The spirit of Hubba Hubba goes all over Jacob. Because there's a shepherdess there by the name of Rachel that appears. And if you read the text, Jacob begins to weep. Now, I don't know how good a woman has to be that you just start crying when you see her for the first time. Uh, sometimes you start crying after you see her about 50 times. Y'all are so holy. <laughs> but, but here he is. He's at the well, and, and here comes Rachel, and he asks some questions, and he, he said, Do you know uh, my mother's brother, Laban? And she says, Yeah, that's my dad. So she takes him back home, And he meets Laban. Now, please understand, most of the time, you think about Jacob. He is kind of a deceiving type personality. But when he meets Uncle Laban, how many of you know he's a rookie? Laban is the quintessential deceiver. This guy has got it down. So I don't know if Jacob inherited a little bit of that from his uncle Laban, but let me tell you, how many of you know he's fixing to meet the master? He thought he was good, but when he meets Laban, Laban is so much better. So he's there for about a month. He's working with uh, Laban. So Laban comes to him, and he says, listen, you've been working with me. We're relatives. Uh, Surely you need to get paid. What should I pay you? And this is what Jacob says. He said, listen, I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, okay, that's a good deal, but you have to work for me seven years, and after the seven years, you can have my daughter. Okay. So Jacob works for Laban for seven long years. Now listen, seven long years. If if that was your deal, how many of you would be married today? Okay, you're not going to say anything. So after seven long years, it's time, and the Bible's very clear, that he is going to throw a wedding feast. So Laban gets everything together. He kills the fatted calf, if you will. He invites all of the friends over, and there they are, and they're going to have a wedding. So I want to pick it up. This is chapter 29 of Genesis, verse number six, and I, uh, 16. I want to go through verse 20. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now Jacob loved... Rachel so he said I will serve you seven years for Rachel your younger daughter and Laban said it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man stay with me so Jacob served seven years for Rachel they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her seven years are up wedding feast all the people are gathered to the feast there's a huge celebration at the end of the night he brings out the bride. She's in a veil. That's where we get the veil of the bride. Much more veiled back then. She's covered from head to, to, to toe. They go into the, the wedding tent. They did not have neon lights. Uh, they did not have LED lights in the tent. So he uncovers her. They consummate the marriage. The sun comes up the next morning, and it's not Rachel. It's Leah. Leah. do you know that would be a surprise on your honeymoon that would be different on your honeymoon right now i want you to look at a line here it says he loved rachel but now he's married to leah verse 17 leah's eyes are delicate but rachel was beautiful of form and appearance say this with me form and appearance let's say it again form and appearance you know what that means? Rachel's got the total package. I mean, she, she's the genetic lottery winner. She's she got the total package, form and appearance. She looks good on the outside. She looks good on the inside. She's got a beautiful face. She's got beautiful arms. She's got beautiful legs. And I'm preaching everything in between. Y'all are so holy. Rachel was a total package. She's the homecoming queen. She's the football queen. She's the cheerleader. She's the beauty pageant winner. Yet there's Leah. Leah's kind of living in the shadow, if you will, of her sister, Rachel. Now, does anybody remember when you were in grade school or junior high and you're fixing to have a pickup game or a football game, or you're on the playground, you're in the gymnasium, and someone says, let's choose upsides? How many of you remember that? How many of you never wanted to be chosen last? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take her, I'll take her, I'll take them, I'll take them, and here's somebody over here standing by themselves. That never feels good never feels good you know what we have here we have Leah and they're choosing up teams and guess who's the last one that's going to be chosen it's going to be Leah because she is not what her sister is and Jacob loves Leah but uh, loves Rachel but he does not love Leah verse 31 so this goes on and now Jacob the deceiver goes to Laban the better deceiver and says, you've deceived me. How many of you know whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap? Isn't that an amazing thing in the Bible? And so the deceiver just got out deceived. Now, he said, you've deceived me. I I got Lee, I wanted Rachel. So so Uncle Laban, how many of you got an uncle like Laban? Don't hold up your hand. He says, what do I need to do to get the woman I love? He said, you need to work for me seven more years. And he does it. Now, verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened up her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction Now, therefore, my husband will love me. You see, here is a woman and here is a a new mother. And guess what? This woman for seven years has lived in a relationship that she's not loved. Do you think that maybe Jacob resents this whole situation? He resents the deception. He resents the whole idea. I got this woman. That's not the woman I love. And he's very vocal about it. I mean, he goes to Laban, he says, listen, you deceived me. I love Rachel, you gave me Leah. How would you like to live under that condition? How would you like to every day when he came to the tent, you knew he did not love you? So the Lord, now I love this because this is where we're at. The Lord sometimes and many times and all times, he comes in and makes up the lack in our life. Isn't that true? There are things that people can't do for you. There are things they can't say to you. There are things that they won't say to you. There are things they won't do for you. There are things that they will not do. But how many of you know God is faithful? We are serving a faithful, faithful God. I'm here today because I serve a faithful God. I prayed this morning. I prayed for our staff. I prayed for you as you came. I prayed for our area. And one of the prayers that I pray is, Lord, I pray that you would help us in areas that we cannot even help ourselves, You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, if I knew what to do, I'd do it. But I don't even know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? That's where God comes in, right? That's when he shows up. And listen, this is not about religion. It's not about denominationalism. This is about a real, live, awesome God that loves every person here. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like I'm not quite what I need to be and I think Leah felt the same way I think she feels like I'm in the shadow Rachel is out in front I'm in the back but you know what God sees you if you're in the front or the back he makes no distinguishing factor in people he loves us all the same at the foot of the cross what the ground is level and so here she is the Lord saw that Leah was unloved so we don't have to take Leah's word for it we don't have to take Jacob's word for it. How many of you know, God said that Leah is not loved by her husband. So he opens up her womb. So she's about to be a mother. So she gives birth to a son by the name of Reuben, and his name means, behold, a son. Can you imagine? Here she is. uh, She is going through the pains of birth. Mothers, us guys, we don't know about that. Some of us have seen it. Some of us have watched you. It's a horrible thing. I remember when Randy and Mary had their first son. I was there that day and that evening, Randy, in front of Mary, said this to me. He said, Mike, it wasn't as bad as I thought. That's true. And as soon as he said that, daggers came out of Mary's eyes. But here she is. She's in the pains of childbirth. No spinal block. No medication. That little midwife held up that baby boy, and what came out of her mouth? Behold a son. Behold a son. That's what Reuben's name means. Now, she comes along, and she's getting ready to have another uh, baby, and she conceived, and the next baby is Simeon. Simeon means God has heard me. God has heard me. Have you ever wondered if God has heard you? I have. You ever prayed and felt like it bounced off the ceiling? Came right back at you? Heavens were brass. You're praying. You don't have the emotions. You don't have the feelings. How many of you know we don't walk by feelings? We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. This is a faith thing. This is based on the Word of God. Not how you feel. Not what the other person feels. Not like, Ooh. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people, they just live in the, woo, 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 woo. We're, we're based on the word of God. So she says, God has heard me. What does that mean? She's been speaking. She, she's been praying like a Hannah. God, I need a child here. I need a son. I need a baby. I'm barren. So what does God do? He hears. He listens. God has heard me, Simeon. And then there's Levi. He's the next one to be born. You know what Levi's name means? To become a tax. You know, every child that she has and she names, this is amazing, it all has to do with this uncomfortable relationship with her husband, Jacob. It's all revolved around, behold a son. Maybe now he will love me because I've given him a son. Next child, God has heard me. I've been crying out to God. Levi, to become attached. That's what his name means. Maybe my husband will be attached to me because I've given him three sons. Next child, Judah. Judah. You know what Judah's name means? Praise. Praise. Now, let me stop here because we've talked about Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah. You know what she's doing? She's giving birth to the tribes of Israel. She's giving birth to a life-changing, world-changing family. She's giving birth, and and here her husband is. Oh, my focus is on Rachel. Nothing bad to say about Rachel, but listen, while he's looking at Rachel, Lee is doing something that's going to change the world. Do you know what son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes out of? Judah. So let's look at this little mother who's unloved. Let's look at this woman who... Some people would say she's not a five-star mother. She's not. It's through her, her birthing. It's through her body that the Messiah is going to come. I'd say that's pretty important. What about you? Here is a mother. And I'm going to stop here and say, moms, have you ever felt like you weren't that important? Any moms ever felt that way? I'm just the chief cooking Bottle washer around here. I'm just the laundry underwear washer around here. I'm just to clean up the house, vacuum the floor person around here. Any, it, moms, anybody ever felt that way? Five moms here has felt that way. Everybody else is doing this, and everybody else is out here, and everybody else is a five-star mother, and here's the Proverbs 31 mother, and I feel like uh, I'm not that. I feel like I'm kind of a secondary person. Uh, uh, You know, I'm kind of stuck at home and I'm doing the shopping, I'm doing the cleaning, I'm doing the discipline. You know, how many of you know that can be tough? Trying to herd the kids? I'd say direct them, but sometimes how many of you feel like you're herding them? Then all of a sudden you have a controversy, you have an issue with the child, you're having to deal with that. Uh, We we mentioned this the other day, My, my little wife. Over here to my left, I remember when Matthew was, uh, he was probably late junior high or maybe early high school. I don't really know what the controversy was really all about, but I walked into the kitchen and they're toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye, nose-to-nose to each other. And, and Matthew was holding his ground and Carrie was holding her ground, and, but this is the, the line that I got in on that conversation. Are you ready for this? Nose to nose, eye to eye. And she said, don't you think I can't take you down right now? <laughs> Moms, how do you know sometimes you just got to stand your ground? Because sometimes you feel like you're in the, in the shadows and nobody sees and nobody understands and nobody understands what's in your heart and what you're going through. God hears. That's why there's a Simeon. God hears. And, and I feel like I'm detached oh no that's why there's a levi god has you attached to him well i i just don't feel like everything goes right well they don't but how many of you know you can praise god in the bad times and the good times that's why there's a judah so that's why we come and we look at this mother this is a powerful mother It would be easier to do this if everybody loved you, but how do you know it's more difficult to do this if you don't feel the love? That's what she's doing. She's giving her body to a man that she really doesn't realize even loves her. So let me just kind of go a little bit deeper here and a little bit further here and and maybe out on the edge she's giving herself to somebody sexually and physically that she's not even really knowing that has any affection for her but she faithfully does it and God he saw it he heard it he understood it and out of her womb comes powerful powerful men in a powerful family to change the course of history now what does a mother do when no one's looking in this world's changing situation? I, I wrote this down about four or five days ago because I really feel like the Lord pressed it upon my heart. And I'm going to give you just two phrases here. Meaningful minority, say that with me. Meaningful minority versus the passive majority. I want to say that again. We're talking about the power of a mother here. Meaningful minority versus the massive majority. You see, sometimes when you are there in the home and you're directing your family, you feel like you are just this very small cog in a big wheel. You feel like you're very minute in a big sea, a big ocean. But what I want you to do is think about the power of a mother. The power of a mother is more powerful than the massive majority. When your child leaves home, you you raise that son, you raise that daughter, you've had somewhere about 17, 18, 19, 20 years to invest in that child, to pray for that child. You know when you should, should start praying for your child? Not when they're born. I mean, you know, y'all ought to start praying for your child before they're born. Can I hear an amen? Y'all start pr- praying for your baby before it's even born. You know, when you start praying for your wife's or, or your, your son's wife and, and your, your daughter's husband before they ever meet them. That's good advice, Pastor. Thank you for sharing that. It's really true. So, so here is Hannah. And she is seemingly a minority here in this story. But she's the meaningful minority. And it seems like the massive majority has more clout, more power than just this mother at home. But moms, let me tell you something. You don't realize how much power you have. Because this is what I know. And it's really biblical. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they will what? Not depart from it. Now, th- there's no guarantee over here there may not be moments of lapses. So I just want to share that with you because you may think that, oh, my, my kids have got, gone off the deep end. How many of you know that there is a road back to where they should be? So if you're here today and you say, well, my son, my daughter's not serving God. They're out there and they're, they're acting crazy now. Hey, moms, listen, there's a road back home. So if we do the right thing, if we pray for them, if we instill the things that they should have instilled in them, if we bring them to the house of God, if we worship together with them, if we, if we do the things we should do, even if they get out there, and there's this massive majority out there influencing them, their peers, their friends, media, music, movies, this huge, massive, massive Massive influence going into your child. Moms, do you know that there may be a moment that your input will override that massive majority? They'll come to a point where they believe what you said over everything else that's going on in this crazy world that we live in. That's the power of the influence of a mother. When no one is looking, Look at me just for a second. When no one is looking, a mother behind the scenes is changing the world. Wow. When no one else is looking, there's a mother behind the scenes changing the world. So here's Leah, unloved, in a culture, male-dominated, and she has baby after baby after baby after baby. And those babies are going to grow up and her ancestors up to this point has brought her to here. But her offspring after this point, listen, they're going to be kings and priests and the Savior of the entire world. That's an unloved mother in the shadows that seems like she's been competing with a sister all of her life, but behind the scenes, God saw, God heard, God answered, and what she did changed the world we're living in right now, today, because of one mother that's faithful. I'm about to preach myself happy. One mother that seems like she's the insignificant minority is changing the world. Moms, listen, we're here to celebrate you today. And if you're a little bit down, let me tell you, there's been other mothers that's been down. You feel like you're not loved like you need to be loved? Listen, there's other mothers that felt like they weren't loved. Feel like you're in the shadows? Sometimes it's what we feel like. I want to tell you right in the middle of the shadow, God is shining the light your way. Why don't you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.